episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And welcome back to your favorite beer movie combo podcast, which I'm sure is a very crowded field these days. And this week, we're back in the theaters for a brand new big blockbuster movie release. John Wick 3. Parabellum? Parabellum. Parabellum. So. Um, so I, I, I mean, I like the John Wick series, uh-huh. so I don't know why, because it is, uh, crazy violent. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and I'm not by nature, like a super like violent person. Uh-huh. Um, but I really like these movies. I don't know what it is. Keanu Reeves is great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like, you're higher on them than I am. And it mm-hmm. seems like these movies have this suddenly have this very excited fan base. And I mean, not so much for me, but they're fun. I mean, I get it. But, uh, but yeah, we'll get into more about the, the about uh, why and why not later. Okay. All right. But uh, before we get into John Wick, Chapter Three, he shoots a lot of people. Part three. Uh, we're, uh, we have brand new beers to have this week. Yes, we do. So, uh, who went first last oh, week? man. I uh, think I went first last I think week. you're right. I So, I will go first. I am having, stepping off the IPA train this week, from Fort George Brewing in Astoria, Oregon, out on the coast here in Oregon. I'm having the Waves of Silence Ooh. Imperial Stout. Now, uh... Fort George. Astoria is uh, one of the oldest uh, towns, colonies west of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. It's been around since 1811. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize it was that old. According but... to the Fort George website, and Astoria is actually called Fort George for a time uh, around the War of 1812 uh, before the name changed back to Astoria. Uh, the brewery has been around just since 2007. Uh, but they're very good. They make a lot of good stuff. Um, we've been there before, actually, on the coast. And this particular stout is dark. <laughs> I mean, it is motor oil dark. It is 9% alcohol by volume. Uh, there's not a lot of information on the website about it, other than it says that it's a periodic imperial stout release. Always evolving and packed into color-changing cans. Ooh. And I think they actually mean that. Because it says also on the website, for proper cold storage, keep those cans purple. And there are little kind of almost like sine waves, purple yeah. stripes on the can. And I wonder, you know, if uh, if I just if they if they start changing color, if you leave it out, I'm unsure. It doesn't. That's what it leads me to believe. But anyway, this is very good if you're a, a stout drinker. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe a little aftertaste of almost a molasses flavor. It's, uh, but yeah, it's very heavy. It's very like, uh, it is a sipping beer. <laughs> it is not a, it's not something you're like, yeah, give me a pint of that. I'm going to hammer that down on a nice hot summer day. Yeah. No, this is a, the weather sucks outside. It's cold and I need to like, uh, have this very dark, heavy, powerful beer that I sip as like I smoke a pipe or something. That's what, that's the, the vibe I get from this beer. Ah, Okay. Um, I am not drinking a stout, <laughs> which I'm sure shocks no one. Um, although, you know, I did a couple weeks ago have the peanut butter milk stout. Yes, you did. So, yeah. but you know, 
mixed with ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tonight, I am drinking a beer from Culmination Brewing, um, also from uh, Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, this uh, is the Evergreen Red Ale. Yes. So um, I am also not finding a lot of information about this particular beer on the website anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say it's a pretty deep red. Um, I was a little worried that it was going to be more malty, like of a malty amber versus a hoppy red. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am pleasantly surprised. Ah, good. So um, I, I like it. It is, um, it's been made with Amarillo hops uh-huh. and um it, it's quite good oh good quite good so i know that finding a good red is hard yes is it they're usually i always like oh i like i like always like to think that i like a red and i see one somewhere like when we're out having dinner somewhere and i'll try it and i was like oh this isn't very good actually why mm-hmm. did i order this i think that a lot of reds are are ambers you right. know they're amber ales so they're they're more malty and they're right. not very hoppy yeah um and i like a good red ipa almost like a hoppy beer um which this does but it doesn't overpower like it's not it's not say ninkazi's dawn of the red Mm -hmm. like it's not that hoppy um but it is it's really good i i was a little worried cracking the can open because i was like oh this is gonna be a mild watery amber i'm not going to be happy right but but it's not i'm happy to say so okay well great then all right so we have a couple of good uh beverages to have for this uh this week's episode and you definitely you need a drink to get through this movie oh (laughs) oh, for sure for sure john wick chapter three parabellum um now i was um it's interesting. I was thinking about how I came to this franchise because it was primarily through you, right? Because because <laughs> I, I made you watch it. Yeah, I remember when the I remember seeing the trailer for the first movie and thinking, and that like the, I think the marketing for the first movie did them no favors. Mm-mm. I remember the trailer, seeing the trailer, and being like, "Well, that looks like a very generic action movie that doesn't look interesting at all." No, right. thank you. And then, but I can also remember um, our. Our good friend and comic book professional, Brian Michael Bendis, mm-hmm. he was on, I follow him on Twitter, and he saw it, and he started raving about it, like trying to get all his comic book friends to go see it. And I was like, come on. It can't be that can't good. Be good. But you eventually saw it, like on on HBO. I don't know, where you saw it on TV, or I don't think, or, um, or I don't remember. I just remember you, you insisted that I had to watch it. Yes. Well, because the first movie came out, I think, before we were together. Um, and so I, I honestly cannot remember, like I, I probably rented it. Like it was back when I was using Redbox more. I think it was probably that. And I was like, I like Keanu Reeves. Um, Uh (laughs) and I honestly don't remember any of the trailers for the first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, but I, yeah, I totally loved it. Although to this day, I will not watch the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie because I can't actually watch the part where the puppy dies. Right. Uh, so I so I don't. Puppy side. I just uh, like scroll forward until yeah. we get to right after that. Right. <laughs> and then I can start watching it. Yeah. I was trying to think about what made the, this particular action movie so different. And I think it was 
like uh, I think it was just because I remember someone describing the action as gun foo. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think they just went with, well, we're going to shoot a bunch of people. But most action movies, there's a lot of, you know, guys getting winged in the shoulder or getting hit in the body and you don't really see anything. And they just went full throttle. He's going to kill a bunch of people and he's going to shoot almost all of them in the face. <laughs> he does And it's just that, like, yeah. and so when you're watching that first movie, you're like, Jesus Christ. I know. You know, so. Uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, it, it in some way. It's a like a video. It's almost video game esque, right? In the way that he will move through a scene, yeah, with like shooting people, right? Right. Um, there are actually websites dedicated to the, uh, not dedicated, but they count. Uh, they do the kill count, right? In every movie, mm-hmm. uh, and by <laughs> they even break it down by um, type of weapon. Okay. Right. So like. In the first one, there were 73 deaths by gun and six by swords or knives. See, I'm disappointed that they didn't break it out by and 12, type of gun. 12 by other. Other. <laughs> yeah, he runs over some people in a car. That's in that's in number two, believe it or not. Oh, I guess he does it in the first one, yeah, too. Yeah. But yeah, there was an even higher kill yeah. count in chapter two. But what I've become, what I enjoy, I think, almost even more than the... Than the the action set pieces is just like kind of the visual style. Mm-hmm. Like they are very like slick and coolly lit, you know, a lot of neon lighting. Yes. Everyone's in a cool suit. Right. You know, everybody is like so, so well dressed, dressed when right, they go into right. these fights. Well, except for, well, except for Lawrence Fishburne and his guys, yeah. you know, but, but they're the Bowery, kind of, the Bowery guy, but they're almost like in disguise really. But yeah, everyone else is in a, like a slick suit. I remember the second movie, he steps out of his car in these really sharp black, you know, dress shoes. And yeah, it's uh, it kind of, it's almost like uh, we know we are making something that is almost an exploitation movie with this level of violence. So we're going to dress it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's like this, it, it, like this high society you know, right. death world. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, but I, it does to me. I, I know where you're driving. At. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, this definitely has the highest kill count of oh, all three. I would think. Um, by a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, the other two movies, uh-huh. total had a de- had uh, 23 deaths by swords or knives. Uh-huh. This one has 32 deaths by swords or knives alone. Right. And 124 by guns. Seems like a lot. It is a lot. It seems like a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, but you knew that. Uh, so we've gone to see John Wick 2 and... And now this and, one. And now this one. In theaters, yeah. Um, but when we went and saw John Wick 2... Right. I don't remember the audience having the reaction they did like they did when we went and saw this one. Like, yeah. we are in the movie theater, John Wick 3. It's a pretty full theater. Mm-hmm. And the entire theater is like, like verbally responding to these deaths, to mm-hmm. some of these fight sequences and deaths, and they're all like, "Oh, oh, ah!" Like all the time yeah. as a theater, yeah. everybody was doing it. Well, yeah, I think they needed to do some inventive things at this point, Probably. which they did. Yes, and we'll get into that. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? I think so. Okay, so... Don't get, steal any of my three. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it hap- what happens. 
We've each come up with our three favorite things about this movie. We haven't shared them with each other. We'll do that now. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen John Wick 3. Uh, we typically don't hold back any plot details. No. no we don't care about your, your spoiler feelings. We're going to talk about it. Talk about everything. I will go first. Okay. My first favorite thing. So the opening of this movie starts off just after the second movie ends. Right. John Wick is running away. He's got a bounty on his head because he's broken some assassin rules. Um, and uh, and there, there came a point in the first sequence where I even leaned over to you. It's like, it's been a little while and he hasn't killed anybody. What's going on? It's been several <laughs> minutes know. and there hasn't been a death. And so was my, one of my, I won't say it's a complaint, but one of my criticisms of the Wick movies is that they do, there's only so many ways you can shoot a bunch of people in the face and not and they have, it, job of and not have it be just eventually just become repetitive. And so the first kind of couple action sets of this movie, he doesn't have a gun. Right. And so specifically, there's a sequence where like a, he gets chased into some, is, I don't know if it's a museum. Where are they? Where there's just like this, these displays of like old weapons. Oh, yeah. Old guns and knives and spears and whatever. I don't know if it's a museum or where it is, but it's just, it's essentially what I'm calling the knife sequence. Yeah. There's all these glass displays of all these edge weapons, and it's just John Wick and these guys that are chasing him, and they're just all taking turns. Oh, they're just taking turns, breaking through a glass display, grabbing a a shockingly large amount of throwing knives (laughs) that happen to be there. And just winging them at each other. Right. You know, and it is really, it, it actually makes the audience laugh at one point. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, it just gets kind of ridiculous. You know, <laughs> this is what it's come down to. It's like, you know, he'll roll over, he'll look at another bad guy who's happened to show up. And they'll each look around the room and break another glass. To and get grab a knife. knife and throw it at each other. And it's just really... It's really... And also like kind of the sound design. of mm-hmm. The sound effect of the knives... Uh, either whether they're hitting a person, you know, the, right. just the, the visceral sound of just hitting a body, or the few times they miss and like you know they oh, hitting the wooden floor. Mm-hmm. It's it was I think it might be the most clever to me action set piece because it's just, because it's because it's just not just you know uh, you know shooting and then jamming another clip in and shooting some more. Right. So I think they I want to I want to think that they purposely set this first. I don't know, maybe half hour of the movie, where he only pulls the trigger on one gun and shoots one bullet. Right, and it's still an manages old to gun. Kill. And it's a, yeah, <laughs> and he kills a bunch of dudes and other means. Uh, so yeah, the knife sequence I thought was really fun and uh, kind of. I if I mean, and they've already said there's going to be a fourth one. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I would hope that they maybe lean into those more clever, not necessarily gun heavy sequences going forward because i thought that one was really fun to watch Mm -hmm. so that's my first favorite thing yeah it is interesting how many of these concepts actually came from keanu reeves himself Mm -hmm. you know and that was part of it was that like how do you make it how do you make this one different from the the first one and the second one Right. right i mean the second one starts with a car fight scene where he's like killing, like he's literally having a, a fight scene pretty much by in his car, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then this one, so this one starts with a knife sequence, essentially. Right. So it's pretty, 
uh, interesting. Mm. Um, and then one of my other favorite parts comes later was also from Keanu Reeves. Like it was his idea. Mm. So, um, so my number one scene or my number one th- or one of my things, my mm-hmm. first thing, I guess I was like, I can't even say it's my number one, but, uh, one of my things is Halle Berry and, uh, her dogs. Yeah. Uh, so as Sophia, uh, she's, um, actually the, like she runs the, the hotel in, in Casablanca. Casablanca. Right. Um, but she train she has two dogs that she's got trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sophia shows her, like she's one of the few other people who really shows herself to be as, as efficient uh, and proficient a killer mm-hmm. as John is. Yes. You know? So like she goes in and of course what sets her off and makes her angry? Somebody shot at her dog. Right. Like, I mean, her dog lives because he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Right. As you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like John could have learned a lesson there. Oh. Uh, I know he had a puppy. Unfair. <laughs> he was out of the game. He had retired. And he had a puppy. And he had a puppy. Right. But anyway, so, um, like, she racks up a pretty high kill count with, like, and she she's kind of given a sequence with the same kind of um, tracking that John Wick has in a lot of his like gun shooting scenes right. and um and but then she also like has her dogs attacking and they are pretty cool yeah. like scenes um and that I even I like the part where she yells a command at her dog because there's a bad guy at the t- on the second floor almost mm. um, oh yeah yeah that's, right and yeah, she yells a command about. bends over and the dog runs over jumps oh. off of her and jumps up uh-huh. Onto the next the ledge level, yeah, and then you know attacks the guy, and so I think that they were really efficient and excellent partners, mm-hmm. and again it added a cool element to how different assassins like their strategies, right. you know, and their methods for killing. Um, but then uh, it's weird. This whole thing happens because Braun wants her dog. Yeah, Sir Braun of the Blackwater. Right. Jerome uh, Flynn. Jerome Flynn is there, um, you know, and he he wants her dog. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Jerome Flynn play in this car- in this uh, scene has a castle, <laughs> and yeah, right. and he's in charge of making of minting money, right? Oh like, yeah, the coins that the coins are that the, they use for for the, for the hotels and for right. their like assassins guild, right? Um, which. I feel is eerily similar to how Braun ends up. Spoiler oh, right. Master alert. of Coin. Right? Master of Coin. <laughs> spoiler yeah. alert. There was a Game of Thrones spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, but then what I think is even more interesting is that Halle Berry actually had to spend time training with the dogs, like training them to follow her, her with commands. the commands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because uh, the way that they filmed this those scenes um, in a typical movie they would film scenes with dogs, but the trainers would be just off camera yelling commands. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the way they did these wide shots and wide scenes, they couldn't be close enough. Like it wouldn't right. work. So Hallie had to learn how to do that herself. Um, I also think that it's funny. All of those people who die in that scene, mm-hmm. it's just actually a handful of guys who played different Oh, it's all you know, right. And that's because these were guys who all became really familiar with the Belgian Belgian Malinois 
are the dogs. Oh, the type of breed, the type of, dog. breed of dog. Okay. Um, but they just became really familiar in working with the dogs. Mm. So like the same um, people just tr- kept dressing up as different guys to be killed in, in along the, right along in that scene. Okay, that's um, interesting. But then they, the director Chad what Stahelski said yeah. that the scenes were all treated like playtime for the dogs. So as they're running and attacking, they're actually going after these uh, strips of green canvas. That each of the um, stuntmen had mm-hmm. on, their on their person, person. and so that's what the dog is going after. Mm-hmm. So, I just thought that whole scene is really cool. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. And then it ends with this great line where you know he just looks at her and she's like, "They shot my dog," and he just looks at her and he's like, "I get it." Yeah, right. <laughs> like this whole thing that's has happened. Pretty much like, the I best line in the movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I like that scene too. I like the very uh, fun use of clearly some very highly trained animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that too. Okay. For my second thing, I'm going to say a character. I didn't even remember notice what his name was in the movie, but according to IMDb, his name was Zero. Oh, he He's was one of mine too. played by Mark da- Damascus. Damascus. And there's no M in his name. Dacascos? Oh, yeah. Dacascos. Uh, but uh, he... Uh, such a weird character. You know, um, there's a character in this movie called the Adjudicator. And she is essentially, I guess, you know, the dungeon master for the Assassin Guild and enforcing rules. Mm-hmm. And she comes... <laughs> Uh, and she excellent nerd reference. Thank you. And and uh, you meet him, and he's like running this little sushi joint. But you have apparently he like every third person in this world is a highly trained you know killer for hire. Right. Apparently, New York is a really dangerous place. It is. Yeah. Wild that there are so many just hit people just hanging out. Uh, but uh, and she comes to him looking for his assistance, and you know enforcing some rule violations that happened in the last movie and uh it's interesting because you know he's like he's like making that there's that one type of blowfish that if you make sushi out of but if you make it wrong you'll kill a person Mm -hmm. you know and so he makes it for her but she eats it and that's like kind of like that oh well she's pretty tough i guess right so you know and then uh and he goes from being like him and his like and his guys his crew of guys are all these samurai sword wielding wielding like ninja assassins, right? right. And they just pff, run, run rampaging through Lawrence Fishburne's guys. They just they just cut up a bunch of people. And he's very menacing. He's got a very interesting face. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think of. It's like he just looks. And um, so a very deadly, uh, you know, he's a martial artist in his own right, that actor. And uh, and it goes from this very dangerous person to to essentially being like a super fanboy of John Wick. All of a sudden, that's exactly how I turn. Yeah, as they have like this fight sequence that ends up on the doorsteps of the Continental. You know, and it's a fight that John Wick looks like he's about to lose. Right. You know, but he gets there, and that's you know. No, no bloods being spilled there because that's one of the rules. Consecrated ground. Yeah, Yeah. And uh, so they end up in like a a lounge, you know, where they're gonna. And uh, Wick sits down on a couch, and Zero comes over, and in a completely empty room, right? Lots of available seating. <laughs> there's a couple of chairs. There's another couch. No one else is in the room but these two guys. 
Wick sits down on one end of the couch. This guy comes and sits down shockingly close and right next to like, him. Like literally right literally next to him. Literally touching him like side to side. He doesn't even like lean back on the couch. He's like leaning forward. It's mm-hmm. very weird. It's so funny that he just sits so closely next to him. And I can't decide, is he doing that because he's literally that big of a fan? Or is this some sort of gamesmanship where he's trying to mess with him because he knows they're going to fight again eventually? Right. You know? And then he t- goes on and talks about, man, so amazing to meet you. You know, he's just this legend. Right. You know, man, that's been, I can't believe I'm getting a chance to fight you. And it's just very weird that he goes from being this just super, you know, just murderous ninja to just all of a sudden being like, you know, almost like looking like he wants to ask for an autograph. Right. It's very strange. And it, then... Um, it's funny. That's exactly the sen- the sentence I wrote was, Zero is a crazy cross between a John Wick fanboy and a deadly killer. Yeah. And then like when they finally do have their final confrontation, his kind of last words are, well, it was he's like, he's looking for confirmation from Wick, but it was a good fight, right? You know, he wants to hear before he dies, he wants to hear that, you know, he was like, I don't know. That the legend John Wick thought he was good too. Right. It's a very strange role, and he but he was great. He was like a, you know, in these movies where there's so many bad guys, just kind of seem so samey because they're usually just dudes with guns. You know, mm-hmm. he really stands out as being a very interesting character. Right. So, I think it's interesting because like in the second one, um, you know, John Wick's like primary. He's got kind of two primary antagonists. One of which is. Uh, common. Oh, um, right, right. Right? Yeah. Um, and they're, they um, are like, again, colleagues, mm-hmm. but clearly there's something personal there that is broken between them. Right. And they also go into the hotel, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think the one in Italy, and then they immediately settle down and have a drink. Right. And then, again, they in this one, they're in the New York, and they go into the Continental, and they immediately have a chat. Like, yeah. you know, as one does with somebody who just tried to murder them. Uh, I thought that, um, I wrote down that it was not just Zero, but Zero and his, the two henchmen he has at the end, mm-hmm. in the, like, the second of the oh, last the big two, battle. the two dudes from the raid. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're two guys, they're, yeah, we both were like, we've seen those guys before, and, um, and they're in the raid, but, uh, so I have everything that you wrote about Zero's interaction with John Wick. Right. But then I also thought that, like, you know, his two students are, you know, when they fight, in the uh, glass room, uh, that they are clearly excited that they're fighting the John Wick, you know? And they even make sure to have a moment where they stop and they're like, oh my gosh, this is John Wick. Like, you know, honor demands that we like give you a moment. And they like give him a chance to like catch his breath and stand up. And then when he goes to, um, when he, you know, they resume the fight and then he's winning, of course. They're all beat up. But mm-hmm. they are both on the ground. Clearly things are broken, you know. Uh-huh. And they kind of look at him and they both have this look on their face like, oh, crap. Like, this is the part where he, like, he kills us. Right. Um, but he just looks at them and then um, says in Japanese, you know, be seeing you. Which is what he's said only to the people that he's let live in the previous movies. Mm -hmm. And you can see they both kind of relax and like collapse back onto the ground because they're like, oh, like he's going to let us live. He's going to let us, yeah. Which is like, it's like him returning the courtesy when they could have killed him and didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I just thought was an interesting moment. 
and then he does not say that to Zero, however. No. You know, well, there's, <laughs> yeah. Zero has a sword through his chest. That, that is point. true. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll catch up to you, John. I'll catch up to you. And like, John's no, like, no, no you, you won't. won't. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, I also thought that um, Mark Dacascos did a great job mm. kind of playing this like, is he crazy? Is he a fanboy? Yeah. Like, what's happening there? Like, mm-hmm. it just was super interesting. Uh, but what I did not know until I looked him up on IMDb, mm-hmm. so he was the host for Iron Chef uh, for a little while. Like, the oh, American okay. Maybe version that's of... why he looks so familiar to me. Yeah. I've probably seen him. Because I guess, like, he, he, like, like I feel that. like he was, like, related to the guy who did the original Iron Chef okay. in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's why he looks so familiar. Okay. Except he had hair. Yeah, completely bald now. So, well, uh, that whole thing was one of my, was like one of mine. Uh-huh. So, what's your third? Oh, well, my third is kind of also one of yours, because I was also going to talk about Halle Berry oh, and uh-huh. dogs. Uh, but you did, uh, what I'm, but I'm going to kind of switch a little bit of uh, kind of the viewpoint of it. Okay. Um, so, thinking back through the first two movies, well, first of all, it's cool that they did have a person for John Wick to play with. Right. You know, who was as, as competent. Um, There's no rescue scene. I love it. Like, she's just a competent fighter. Yeah. And the, and the, and to have it be a woman. Mm-hmm. Because in the first movie, are there any women in the first movie um, that aren't just in the background? I don't think so. I don't think so. In the second movie... They have Ruby Rose, right? She is like a, a bodyguard of the the of the main villain, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the one woman who they let fight in the second movie, they also make a mute. She literally doesn't speak a word. Right. I mean that I can't tell you how much that bothered me. I'm sure they were thinking, well, this is just a clever character choice. N- no, it's not <laughs> actually. You do not understand what you're doing. And these very incredibly male-focused movies, the one female character that has anything to do with the plot you're not even giving a voice right so stupid i thought so but then they went out and got an oscar-winning actress right and uh and actually gave her i mean i felt her backstory Mm -hmm. the revealing of her having her daughter and her like you know john wick apparently helped hide her daughter and she doesn't even know where her daughter is and he even offers do you not know where she is and she's she looks like she's about ready to shoot him when he even offers. Right. It's like, no, I do not. And the reason's why. Because, you know, the kind of this whole thing of like, you know, I'm such a dangerous person and my life is so dangerous, but I love this thing so much, I can't be next to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you see that in other movies too. And it's always like, I feel a like pretty interesting plot device when it's done right. When and it's done right, yeah. When it's done right. And she's such a good actress, of course it's done right. And I like that she looks, she is on the verge of violence when he even, to offer... I can tell you where your daughter lives. And she's like, I'm about to shoot you now for offering (laughs) me that thing because that's such... Right. So tempting. So tempting, you know. And uh, so, yeah. And then that... that, And then to give her that, uh, you know, that that set piece they have together with her and the dogs is wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the movie got way less interesting once she left it. I agree. I wanted her to... I wanted more from her. So... Um, I just have to add one little fun fact that okay. I literally just found out. All right. So remember how we were just talking about Zero, Mark Dacascos? Yes. 
he went to Portland State University. Go Vikings. Right? Yeah. I know. So he spent time here in Portland, Oregon. All right. He grew up in Hawaii. But, uh, okay. So my number three mm-hmm. um, should not be any surprise to you whatsoever, but it is this the horses. Of course. So, um, so I was worried because, of course, in the commercial or in the like trailers, you see he's riding a horse down the street. Yes. Fighting people on motorcycles. Right. Um, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, how does he get that horse? Um, and of course, in the movie, he runs into a stable, you know. In the middle of New York New- City. Right. Which and, I'm sure there are many of those. Um, there are a couple near Central Park. Okay. But, uh, so I, like, then, of course, the bad guys run in with guns. And I even leaned over and told you, if they shoot the horses, I'm leaving. <laughs> like, and it's like, hey, this franchise started with a puppy getting, getting shot. So, right. um, all bets are off. I, I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. If they shoot a horse, I'm out. Mm. Um, but instead, uh, the bad guys are just as reluctant to shoot the horses as I need them to be. So that was good. Um, but then John does a good job of using the horses as cover, you know? Mm -hmm. So like he's kind of hiding behind them and he's, um, moving them around so that as the horses are shifting location, they're literally like you know, butt checking the bad guys and knocking them around. And mm-hmm. if you've ever been hip checked by a horse, uh, you know that you lose. <laughs> the horse wins. And then there's like a scene where, you know, the guy ends up right behind him and John Wick smacks the horse and the horse does a, a perfectly executed rear double hoof kick and kicks him in the head and kills him. Right. And then like a few minutes later, he does it again with another guy and kicks Mm -hmm. the guy in the chest and knocks him off screen. And then he hops on the horse and races down the street and then kills a bunch of people on their motorcycles. Yes. So I just thought that was a clever device of and way of using the horses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was Keanu Reeves idea. Like that was one of the things that he was like, oh, you know, it would be cool in the movie. John Wick, you know, having a fight scene from the back of a horse. Well, there was the one set picture that got leaked that was just a still of him on a horse. And you could see all these like safety wires on him. Right. But he was like but he had like a gun on a next to the head of a guy on a motorcycle, which was like just so crazy. Right. So like yeah. So I that I actually that picture I enjoyed more than the actual sequence itself. Because it just showed this devotion to insanity. Right. Pretty, <laughs> like we are so committed are, to this. Yeah. But we're we're gonna make it happen no matter yeah. what. So, um, but anyway, so uh, I like a good a good a good horseback race scene. Yeah. So as All long right. as they're not injured. Well, yeah, sure. So, uh, okay. Right. Honorable mentions. Boban. <laughs> Boban <laughs> Mojanovich. So there is a professional basketball player in this movie. Early on, I think he's the first person to die. He is. So Boban uh, now plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, used to play for the Los Angeles Clippers. We've actually seen him play live and in person mm-hmm. against our Portland Trailblazers. And uh, look, he is enormous. He's like 7'4". Mm-hmm. He is huge. He, I remember watching a game uh, where he came in off the bench, and it was like, Frankenstein's monster on stilts <laughs> lumbering up and down the court. It was incredible. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know how he got in this movie. I wish they would have... There's only really 
a couple of shots where he's with John Wick that really emphasizes the difference in size. Because mm-hmm. it is crazy how much bigger he is. Oh, yeah. Um, and I told you that it reminded me of, and I hope this is an homage to this, the Bruce Lee movie Game of Death, which was, I think, the last uh, movie of Bruce's. I think they had to finish it after he died. But it's like, essentially... He has to go up through different floors of this building and fight these people who have different styles of fighting. He has it's like it's almost like a video game, and like there's a different boss on each level that has a different style of fighting. And the boss at the top is like the mystery boss, this unknown master who fights in this really weird style. And he gets up there, and it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, <laughs> seven foot two Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fights five foot nothing Bruce Lee. And there's even a scene where a part in the fight where Kareem this kicks Bruce in the chest. And he goes flying when he gets up. And he's wearing, like, the, the iconic yellow and black jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And there's just huge footprint on his chest. And you and Boban kicks him. Kicks mm-hmm. John Wick in the chest. So I, I assume that that's, they're homaging that movie with this sequence, even though they're both wearing suits. A size um, 20 shoe yeah. is what uh, uh, Boban, Boban wears. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Big guy. I mean, not a great actor. <laughs> but I think it's a cool, it's a cool thing to start off the movie with, and you know, uh, uh, and Boban seems like a really funny guy. I think he has mm-hmm. a good sense of humor about things, so that was cool. To yeah. Me. Um, the New York Times has an article, and it's called "Inside the Five Best John Wick Fight Scenes." Yeah, and that is uh, number four, the library oh, yeah. fight scene. Kills him with a book. He does. Yeah. John Jason Bourne did that first, but okay. Yes. Um, the, yeah, they said they spent uh, two weeks uh, training Marjanovic mm-hmm. to do his own fight scenes because they were like, we don't have a stunt double that, that big. Right. <laughs> right. So, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, How about you? You got honorable you got mentions? Yeah, oh, yeah. One? Of course I do. Okay. Um, so I thought the adjudicator oh, yeah. was, she was very interesting. That actress was very... was. Yeah. And they, um, like, so the adjudicator is supposed to be very, um, like, uh, gender neutral. I saw an article about that. Right? And Mm -hmm. that was because in the storyline, they don't ever indicate whether or not the adjudicator is male or female in the script. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly how Asia Kate Dillon wanted to... um, I, I play that play that character because uh-huh. they identify as non-binary, and so they were like, the, "There's nothing that says one way or the end, you know, or the other." So let's make the character non-binary as well. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, and I think that it's a great, uh, it, and it's great because of that, because the adjudicator is supposed to be, like almost the the hand of justice from the high table right and so the justice the the adjudicator is supposed to be like you know balancing the scales mm-hmm. and so to be you know non-binary as well right kind of just seemed perfect and um you know and it's interesting because nobody actually tries to kill the adjudicator right you know like they all just kind of deal with them without ever being like you know, no, I, I don't. I don't think I want to deal with your justice. I think I'll fight back. Or, right. you know, uh, the adjudicator just goes up to their room 
during when while the hotel is has been deconsecrated and uh-huh. there's like all these people trying to murder John Wick and Caron and um and Winston, Winston played by Ian McShane. Right. Um and the adjudicators just sitting upstairs in their room, like do 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 twiddling mm-hmm. their thumbs. Like right. John Wick never decides to go after them mm-hmm. to get the anybody off of his back. He just he just fights them. Right. And then they parlay. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> like like as one does after your hotel has been, you know, destroyed. Sh- shot up by a whole bunch of People in body armor and right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just thought that um, the adjudicator was a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Asia Kate Dillon did a great job of, of portraying this, like, arm of justice. If yeah. you can really think that, like, you know, a league of assassins has an arm of justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. So you have to go there. But mm-hmm. anyway, I thought that was great. Yeah. So any other honorable mentions? Um, You know what? For me, I don't think so. I think I'm good. How about you? Uh, I always like Ian McShane. Sure. I think he's just a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he plays this like weird combination of whimsical and carefree, <laughs> you know, uh, owner of an assassin's hotel mm-hmm. so um yeah so i i just like ian mcshane i like the fact that he locks himself in a vault with an armory of weapons and the dog right and like has a drink while karen and john wick are out there like killing everybody right uh just totally chill relaxing mm-hmm. so I just, it, only Ian McShane could pull that off in such a way where you're like, of course that's what he does. Mm. Oh, I actually just realized I have to correct myself. There is a woman in the first John Wick movie, and she is a uh, also an, a, a, a killer. Uh, oh, Adrian, Perkins. Adrienne Padalecki. Yes, actress. Perkins. She was Mockingbird in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, she's in that, so I forgot about that. That's yeah. right. She breaks the rules. Yes. So, uh, any other uh, honorable mentions? Um, there's a really quick funny sequence I think in the desert when he's in this during the set piece with Halle Berry, where it's Wick and like two other guys all run out of bullets at the same time, and essentially it's a race to just see who can get a clip in their gun quickest. Right. And it's just kind of funny. So. I would agree. Yeah. That was a good scene. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think those are my primary... Yeah, I don't really have anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't get enough of Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, But clearly he's showing up in uh, Chapter 4. One would hope. (laughs) With seven real big band-aids. Yeah. Because he got seven cuts. Seven cuts. Um, oh, I did like that final scene, though, where, you know, they've his army of kind of homeless people uh-huh. uh, pick up what John Wick on the ground and right. they, they bring him home in a shopping cart, uh, which is great. And they dump mm-hmm. him onto the ground. And so John Wick is lying there and you've got this scene of of Lawrence Fishburne on like his 
throne, for lack of a better word. Right. Underground. And he's like, you know, he's pontificating. And then finally he goes, raise your hand if you can hear me, John. And all you see is um, is Keanu Reeves' hand go right. up, but with the missing ring finger. Right. He had to cut off his finger. Right. Just... And he goes, and Lawrence Fishburne goes, oh, shit, you lost a finger. Man, that must have hurt. You know, meanwhile, as he's sitting there with like these cuts across his face. And like, so you've seen Keanu Reeves' hand come up and it goes out of the screen. And then it just comes up and he's just flipping Lawrence Fishburne off with the bird. And he's like, you know, and I just feel like that's so appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to get into any dislikes. Sure. What do you have? So in this world of. Uh, people who murder without conscience and just death abounding, all sorts of killing. There are these very draconian, um, almost religious set of rules that these people all follow. And I just find it all very silly. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know that this is necessarily a thing I dislike, but it is, I just find it, I just need to say that I find it all Especially in this movie, it all became very silly to me. Because there are several scenes where somebody is holding on to some sort of talisman, like a coin or a cross or a different kind of coin that is supposed to mean something in this system of people who murder for a living. <laughs> and they'll hold it up to their face and make a really serious face. And the other person will be like, oh, you have one of those. That means something. And I'm just like, this is so ridiculous. It just, I don't know, just the whole rule system and just how serious it's treated just, I just think is really silly. Like the whole scene with uh, Angelica Houston. Yeah. 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 He's like giving her a rosary. Yep. A rosary, which is a a ticket out of town, which he then has to get branded for some reason. Right. I don't know. It's just... uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just it just seems kind of ridiculous that all of these lawless people have somehow agreed to abide by these other laws. These the the set of rules that's very ornate and has all the, you know and what the coins and the whatever and in the first movie it was kind of charming and that but it was so contained. You know, it was all about just kind of the one hotel. Right. And you had to have a coin to get into a hotel and this is how this works, right? And then they just expanded it so big, right? It's you know, a global. It's a network. global thing. It's just gotten a little ridiculous for me. So I don't even know that it's a complaint, but it just makes me laugh and uh, just how serious they treat it. Oh. I mean, I guess I feel like so much of this is stuff you kind of have to like. It's tongue in cheek. Is it? It has to be. I don't know. I feel like it is. Okay. So, um. Well, so the thing I didn't like was at the very end, the final betrayal of Winston. This is also on my list. Right? Where all... So in they build up this whole thing in, in chapters one and two, mm-hmm. right? Where Winston kind of has this um, camaraderie. Paternal. Yeah, paternal camaraderie with mm-hmm. John Wick, you Completely know? Completely agree. And so much so that when John Wick breaks the rules... At the end of of the second one, mm-hmm. he gives him an hour, right? Which is the reason he's asked to step down from the Continental, right? Because he doesn't immediately execute John Wick for breaking the, the rules. rules. 
he gives them an hour's time right to get away um and so you have this like relationship there and then john wick comes back and the only thing he has to do to you know kind of prove his loyalty and get the mar- the bounty off his head is he has to kill winston and right. he won't do it right of course not of course not mm-hmm. um and so after all of that we get to the to the parlay right and and here's again like john wick comes out and even he's like oh oh we're just at parlay okay i get right. that right i just spent the last 20 minutes killing shooting people. a bunch of people in body armor right and i'm like drenched in sweat and i you know and what's what's going on right well yeah. no he doesn't even he's not even confused he just walks oh. out and he's like oh okay we're at parlay now right like that's this part of the of the sequence right like he just knows that that's what's coming but then he's sitting there and all of a sudden winston just turns on him yep like he's like oh well the only thing i want is to be back in charge of the hotel and sure i'll just immediately shoot john wick yep and i just was like i don't like that no you know i thought like i've seen some reviews um out there where they're like well he never shoots him in the head. He shoots him on his body armor uh, suit. Right. But he does knock him off the roof of a building. Yeah. That's something I'm going to address in a minute. You know, yeah, go ahead. and so then, like, I, I just, I don't know. I just kind of thought, if that's a, a very elaborate setup so that John can go into hiding, that's a brutal way to do it right so i don't know i didn't like that kind of final it didn't sudden betrayal it didn't ring true to me character wise sudden but inevitable betrayal <laughs> right sorry <laughs> no but yeah because he's been like this almost fatherly figure to him mm-hmm. for the first two movies and plus i'm I was a little confused because when the arbiter tells winston a Jew, sorry. Get, get the language matters oh, here right it's so serious <laughs> the titles and the rules and she had the special black coin um but um <laughs> which was apparently super scary to everybody else she didn't even need to carry a gun just have that coin um but that just that that turn just felt so it felt it rang false mm-hmm. to me that uh you know like all of a sudden just all of a sudden it went like uh the the uh uh i'm about to say her name wrong again the adjudicator says oh so you were just essentially what you were just doing this whole thing where you we sent in a bunch of guys to try to murder you all and you fought them off you were just wanting to show strength so that we would let you remain in control of the hotel good enough for me you're back in business you're welcome and i was just like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) and then he turns and shoots john wick and i was like cut no, it's like if he is willing to shoot John Wick now, he should have shot John Wick in the last movie. Right. As soon as he broke that, if he was willing to kill John Wick to keep his fucking hotel, there's right. no reason why he doesn't do it in the last movie. It just seemed dumb. And then the whole idea, and I know what you're talking about, the and I've read this too. Well, he didn't really want to kill him because he didn't shoot him in the head. He shot him in the body where he knew. And this is this is another issue I have. Okay, so for movies like this, you got to have what they call a suspension of disbelief, right? right? There's things that 
aren't real. You just got to accept them to enjoy the movie, right? So in the last movie, he gets a tailored suit that also happens to be bulletproof. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not how bulletproof things work. But okay. You know, this is in a, the real world. I, I, can hand, I can take that. Um, and also, a bulletproof thing stops a bullet from going through you. But the inertia of that bullet, the force behind it, still hits your body. And even though you have a vest on, it still hurts. You know, it still knock, can knock you down. That force doesn't it just It does. Stop. It knocks him over the building. Well, the yeah. The wall of the ledge of the roof. But there are so many times where he is shot in his bulletproof suit in the last movie that he doesn't get knocked down. And in this movie, he doesn't get knocked down. But then he does in this movie. And I'm like, okay. But then, <laughs> but then he goes over the side of the building. And it would be one thing if the, he just had fallen maybe straight to the ground or into a dumpster. But they bounce him off a couple of fire escapes or something. off the, And it wasn't like, like two floors. It's like, I don't know how many, a lot of floors. And that's another thing that bulletproof, bulletproof things stop bullets, but they're not bone-breaking prevention. <laughs> it just, it totally ruined my suspension of disbelief because as soon as he bounced off a couple of fire escapes, I was like, well, he's dead. There's that's I can't I can't accept that he lives through that, you know the when they show the TikTok man that guy who like you know mm-hmm. TikTok that guy has him in his shopping cart it's like well why is he's wheeling off his corpse to go bury him I guess <laughs> or maybe he survives maybe he survives he's actually breathing but you know what there are so many bones inside <laughs> of him broken right now and Lawrence Fishburne's underground homeless man kingdom. Doesn't look like they have the medical facilities to handle that. He's gonna bleed to death internally. I just couldn't. It's just like, yeah, that whole the 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 betrayal at the end, and then just how the falling off the roof, but yet he's still alive somehow. Uh, couldn't buy it. That was just a that was <laughs> a just a bridge a bridge too far for me. That's funny. A little, just a little too, yeah. Okay. I had to get that off my chest. I feel better now. I feel much better. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you feel better now. <laughs> you got any more? Not after that little rant. <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually pretty good. Okay. So, I mean, after I see it, like, once it comes out on video or something and we get yeah. the Blu-ray, we can watch it and I'll be like, oh, okay, here's the thing. But. Yeah. I will say one thing that I've noticed after, for me, after watching, rewatching the first two movies. So especially when we watched the first, the John Wick 2 in the theater, I remember towards the end kind of getting bored because the action sequences were kind of samey, just, mm-hmm. you know, shooting a bunch of guys, you know, and, but upon rewatch, I stopped kind of watching the, the shooting stuff. And just all the kind of the, the, like the cinematography and the stuff in the background and the sets and how they like, uh, especially in the second one, there's that stuff like with all like the mirrored room or whatever. Right. And that stuff is all really incredible. Um, so I think uh, there are other things to see, especially if you watch them again. Right. That is for, that is true. So, so I will give them that. But uh, yeah, come up with more things than just shooting people. <laughs> so that's, it's getting old. 
Anyway. They tried. There yeah. was sword fighting. Yeah, and then when shooting them with regular guns didn't work at the end, they just shot them with bigger guns. Well, but that was only bigger after guns. after there were sword fights. He did the first person he killed was with a book. That's true. Yeah, that's right? that's the thing. Is like the stuff in the beginning I thought was way more inventive, mm-hmm. and it was like I remember all the stuff at the beginning way more than I do the stuff at the end. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, once Halle Berry disappears, it becomes kind of forgettable. Yeah, it is less interesting, I yeah. will say. Although, yeah. except for the horse scene and the motorcycle scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, also, I wanted to say one other. You mentioned those two dudes from The Raid. Mm-hmm. I love that they're in that, because that movie, I feel, is inc- The Raid is incredible. I mm-hmm. think it's an incredible action movie. Uh, it's way more, I mean, I make it's way more actually serious and intense than any of the John Wick movies. Oh, yeah. So that's why I believe like the John Wick movies are more tongue in cheek than mm-hmm. anything else, because then you watch something like The Raid and you're like, OK, this is serious. Yeah. Like much, it takes itself more seriously and it executes itself so, way more, yeah. way more seriously. So. For sure. Otherwise, they don't give Keanu Reeves the exact same line. As in yeah, two right. movies, from right? The ma- you keep stealing lines from the Matrix, right? To say. Like yeah. guns, lots, lots of guns. guns. Right. It's like, okay, you already memorized that line. You don't need to say it again. <sighs> yeah. So, but it was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Anything else you want to say about John Wick Part Three? No, I'm looking forward to John Wick Chapter Four. Okay. Oh, whatever. You're gonna enjoy it too. Oh, I hope, I just hope, I hope so. I hope it gets, well, more Lawrence Fishburne. Right. And, uh, and Halle Berry. That would be great if we got to see Halle Berry again. Yeah. Because, uh, she, I, she was excellent in, yes. the, in this movie and she's only in it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we keep forgetting to do like the recommendations part. Oh, that's true. Uh, I have a recommendation. Okay, go. Uh, so I'm reading a book. And not a comic book, an actual book book with just words. <laughs> and this is, I it is so fascinating to me. So um, we've talked about uh, horror movies on the podcast before, and like, and where I love horror movies, uh, they're not and your I favorite. Not. No, but this still this is in regards to a horror movie that I believe we've both seen. Ooh. A uh, a little tale uh, called Freddy versus Jason. And look, I get why, like, that movie, yeah, nobody has it in any real high regard, but I like it. I think it's a fun, uh, fun little, little, uh, slasher movie or whatever you want to call it. But I am reading a book called, and this is the best title, Slash of the Titans. Oh my goodness. The Road to Freddy versus Jason. This guy, the author, uh, whose name is also Dustin because we're all cool guys. Um, essentially, so that that movie, it took a decade to get that movie actually made. From when they, from I think it was New Line, came up with the idea of trying to put those characters together. And what it took, all the different drafts of scripts that they had written and looked at. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not even done with it. I'm, I'm, I don't even know that I'm a third of the way through it. I just mm-hmm. think it's fascinating. Like all the different uh, dealings between the studios. Uh, I've already like kind of read summaries of the first couple of scripts that they had written to look at and just so interesting the ideas that were being thrown around that ended up, I mean, not getting made, 
it's almost it's as interesting as just watching the movie itself the ideas that they had i mean from there being a cult of freddy worshippers who are trying to like you know bring him into the real world to jason Voorhees actually being captured and put on trial <laughs> it's very interesting ideas and i really i wish maybe one of them maybe would have gotten the green light because it would have been so different oh i'm sure fun. but yeah it's a really to me it's a super super fun read so far okay slash of the titans best <laughs> best title ever <laughs> I got nothing to that. Okay. I'm yeah. sure that it's If you have a Kindle, $4.99. $4.99 on Kindle? Yep. There you go. Awesome. Um, I I have to say I was not prepared. I keep forgetting. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have anything this time to recommend. Okay. Other than to say, you should probably go see John Wick 3. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, um, we're probably going to be off next week due to travel things we're gonna be gone and uh busy but in two weeks for sure yeah uh i'm really looking forward to this as uh godzilla have we done the first godzilla i don't think we have oh we might have to do the first godzilla before we do the second one we might have to do that so there'll be a godzilla one way or another yeah but for sure we have tickets to see the new godzilla correct which i am super fired up about even i i am too like i like godzilla great okay Mm -hmm. but it is this one is just beautiful yeah in a way and maybe it's just the music they've chosen for the trailers but they really have made it look visually stunning yes i would agree with that wholeheartedly okay so a godzilla of some kind is coming in a couple of weeks sorry we're gonna be off next week but there's nothing to be done about it all right, so this uh, will do it this week for the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes, a bunch of other places where you normally find podcasts. Subscribe to us. Uh, give us a rating or shoot us an email. And tell us what you think about John Wick 3. He murders a bunch more people this time, Chapter 3. Uh, email us to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. And until next time, go see a movie. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.